open this teaching time in God's word, why don't we just bow our heads together as we ask for God's blessing. Let's pray. Father in heaven, what an honor is ours to be gathered today as your word is taught. I want to pray in the name of Jesus that a special blessing would be upon every single person here that's gathered locally as well as every single person watching online right now. We devote this time to you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I want to share with you a storytelling device that is completely irresistible to most people. In fact, once I say it, you're immediately going to recognize it because it's most used in a lot of the popular books that you read about. It's used in a lot of the most popular movies that you see. It's this literary plot device that people really love to use. And I'm going to begin it And I'm going to need your participation. I'm going to see if you can just kind of guess it, all right? From zero to hero. I heard some of you say it. Okay, let's try again. Uh, From ordinary to extraordinary. Now you got it. It's this literary plot device whereby someone that is quite ordinary and plain somehow ends up being the hero of the story. How many of you have heard of Desmond Doss before? Okay, I think most of us. He was a Seventh-day Adventist non-combatant medic during World War II, and his story really came into play during the Battle of Hacksaw Ridge. And if you're familiar with the story, he is known for very bravely during the Battle of Hacksaw Ridge in Okinawa, rescuing 75 people. Can you imagine that? with bullets flying all around his head. He's saying, let me get one more. Let me go back in and rescue one more. And through that, he ended up rescuing 75 people. I can hardly believe it. And as a result of his bravery, he ended up being awarded, and I'm glad he did, the Congressional Medal of Honor. I mean, it's the highest award for bravery that this country can offer, and the president usually gives himself. It's that special. Now, look, I mean, he fits that plot. I mean, his life is literally a made-for-TV movie. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, it's that plot device of from ordinary to extraordinary. And whenever we see movies like this, whenever we read books that have this plot device, we're immediately hooked into them, and we're fascinated by them. But I think the reason why we like them so much, and I think the reason why we gravitate towards them so much is because we often enough kind of place ourselves in that place, don't we? I mean, there's not too many of us that, I know I don't, I certainly don't have any superpowers. There's tons of things that I do not have the ability to do. I feel like I am rather ordinary. And so when we see a movie taking place in which the ordinary person becomes a hero, we think to ourselves, well, maybe I can do the same. And we think to ourselves, I wonder, I mean, what if maybe God can use me, though I am ordinary, what if God can use me to do the extraordinary? You know, that's why I'm so excited because today we're actually beginning a brand new five-part sermon series called this, What God Can Do Through Ordinary You, where we're going to look at one of the most fascinating characters in the entire Bible Yes, the true story of Moses himself. Someone that started off, and as you're going to see 
in just a few minutes, started off very ordinary enough, but ended up being epic, historic, and yea, even extraordinary through the power of God. So I'm going to share with you, we're going to go through this series together, but today in part one, I want to share with you on the topic of the secret to be extraordinary. But before I share with you what that secret actually is to be extraordinary, how to break the mold with the power of God, I've got to, it's my responsibility, I must share with you three traps that you absolutely positively must avoid, all right? Look, these are three traps. If you happen to fall into one of these, it's hard to get yourself out of them. These are traps that if you happen to fall into one of them, they can totally derail your life. They can stop you or delay you from intersecting with the destiny that God has for you. I mean, it's a big deal. So what do you say, church? Do you want to find out what these three traps are so you can avoid them? Shall we get into it? Okay, good. I see some heads nodding affirmatively. So here's the first trap, and we've got it here on the screen. The first trap that you absolutely positively must avoid is this, thinking that my background is my limit. Thinking that my background is my limit. I want to invite you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1. I invite you to pull your Bibles out. And we're going to be in Exodus chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. We don't have the scriptures on the screen, so you're going to have to use the Bible to follow along. So Exodus chapter 1, verse 22. And I'm going to begin reading in your hearing as you're turning there. Again, we're looking at the first kind of trap that you must avoid. Notice what the Bible says. So Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river. Whoa. And every daughter you shall save alive. Go ladies. Okay, so for those of you that are familiar with the story, you know that Moses was born into the chaos of genocide. His family lived in the context of the chaos of genocide. Look, I've got a map on the screen because I want you to try to visualize what this genocide may have actually been like. So I don't know if you've seen this website before. It's called the True Size Map. So if you Google it, don't do it right now. If you Google it, you'll get this map. It's very fascinating. And you can take any country in the world and drag it onto another country, and you'll see its real relative size. And if you really want to blow your mind, take the country of our country of the U.S. and drag it over the continent of Africa just so you can see how large Africa actually is. Most maps don't actually do it justice, but this true size map actually does. So here's what I did. I took the country of Egypt. These are the modern-day boundaries of Egypt, of course. And I said, you know what? Let's just personalize this a little bit. Let's put it over our region, shall we? And I want you to notice something. When I take the map of Egypt and we put it over our region here, it covers completely our state, the state of Colorado. It covers completely the state of New Mexico. It gets into a little bit of northern Texas. It covers a little bit of Oklahoma. And it covers, you know, maybe a third of Kansas. Would you agree with me that that's a lot of territory, yes or no? Yeah, that's quite a bit of territory. So now just imagine if all the state governments of these different states issued this particular evil proclamation and edict. 
I mean, just imagine if they said, from now on, heretofore, every male that is born shall be killed and exterminated. Can you imagine the chaos? Can you imagine the trauma that all of us would experience? So now, here's what that Pharaoh did in the country of Egypt. That's the context in which Moses was born. He is born into the context of genocide. And look, the family of Moses could have said, well, I guess that's it for us. All right? They could have said, look, we are people that have been enslaved now for hundreds of years. I guess that's just kind of our lot in life. I guess there's not much we can kind of do about it. I guess there's no hope for us. But yet they did not lose faith. And here's what I want you to receive, my friends. I want you to receive, and I want you to believe, because some of you grew up into difficult backgrounds. Some of you were born into or raised into backgrounds in which there was trauma. Some of you were born into context, into a family in which there was poverty. Some of you were born into context or into a family in which there was abuse. Here's the good news that I want you to receive today in the name of Jesus, that though you may have been born into a background like that, please know that your background is not your limit. Why? Because God loves to use the ordinary to do the extraordinary. In fact, for some reason, God seems to reach out specifically to those kind of people that have gone through stuff. He seems to seek out and select those kind of people that have some scars on their body. Do you know what I'm talking about? He doesn't often choose people that are just perfect in every way and that have never experienced anything. God seems to gravitate towards people who have gone through some stuff. So if that's you today thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty ordinary. In fact, most of the world seems to ignore me. I've gone through so much stuff. I've got, I've got a history. I've got some scars on me. Here's the good news, that in the name of Jesus, God loves to use the ordinary to do the extraordinary. So look, that's the first trap that I want you to avoid, but I want you to notice the second one. We've got it here on the screen as well. So the first trap, look, you've got to avoid it. Just go around that huge pothole if you can in the name of Jesus. It's thinking that my background is my limit, but here's the second one, thinking that labels are my limit. Thinking that labels are my limit. Okay, turn over now to Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. Notice what the Bible says. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way, and when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, Why are you striking your companion? 
Then he said, verse 14, Who made you prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? And you can almost hear the venom in his voice. In that moment, Moses received a label. In that moment, Moses was labeled and branded as a murderer. Now, look, did he do a bad thing, yes or no? Yes. Did he actually murder someone, yes or no? Yes. That is a bad thing. I'm not trying to say that's a good thing or trying to condone it. But here's what I want you to receive, friends. That that thing that you did does not have to define you for the rest of your life. What happened does not have to be who you are. Those labels that were placed upon you do not have to be your limit. Again, maybe there were some of you that have had like a poster, a label that has been placed upon you. Maybe some of you, like I said earlier, maybe some of you were, grew up in the context of some kind of abusive or violent home where a, a family member told you, you, say, you know what, you're not worth anything. Maybe you grew up in a context in which people were constantly putting you down and saying that you're stupid, that you can't do anything right. And look, the truth is that words like these hurt. The truth is that it's really hard to escape out of these labels that have been placed upon us because we often just kind of rewind them in our minds, don't we? And it's so hard. I'm not saying, look, if you're still carrying on to some of these labels, you've been trying to, you've fallen into that trap, you've fallen into it through no fault of your own. I'm just commiserating with you. I'm affirming that, yes, it's hard to break out of that trap. It's hard to let go of those labels. Maybe you grew up hearing, you know, you're too skinny. You're too fat. You're ugly. You're too tall. You're too short. I mean, I don't know what labels have been placed upon you. I don't know what labels you grew up with. I don't know what labels maybe even still today you are receiving in school or in the workplace. But here's what I want you to receive. Please know that your labels are not your limit. Why? Because God loves to use the ordinary to do the extraordinary. God loves to use people that have ex experienced some stuff. He says, look, that man, that woman, that young man, that young lady, he can relate to people in a way that other people can. Did you know that some of you can connect to people much better than I can as, as a pastor? Did you know that? Some people, when I meet them in the community, and yes, I say, so what do you do? And I'm getting to know someone, they tell me what they do. So what do you do? Or maybe I'm in an airplane or a bus or something like that. I say, well, I'm a pastor. And whenever I share that, I'm always looking in their eyes because it can only go one of two ways generally. 
sometimes they kind of light up and they're interested. They're into religion, they're into Christianity. Oh, really? Okay, so tell me about this. Or they might ask some kind of Bible question. But do you know what reaction I often enough get? I say, oh, I'm a pastor. Oh, Uh, okay. It's good to meet you. And they excuse themselves from the congregate, from from my presence. They, They leave. A lot of people don't want to talk to a pastor. Are you with me, church? But you, so many of you have an advantage that I do not have. You have jobs that are relatable. You do stuff that they can relate to. You've lived lives that they can relate to. And so here's the amazing news that your labels do not have to be your limit. Why? Because God loves to use the ordinary to do the extraordinary. And so when the devil tries to tempt you with negative thoughts, you bring back Philippians 4.13. You can say, yeah, the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When the devil tries to tell you that you are not good enough, that you will never amount to anything, yeah, you come back with 1 John 2 verse 1. You say, look, the Bible says, behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called children of God. I am a child of God. You are a child of God. You've got royal blood in your lineage. You are a child of God. So that label that's been placed upon you, it does not have to be your limit. You claim those promises of God. You push away that trap in the name of Jesus. Okay, so we've been looking at two different traps. The first trap that you need to avoid is thinking that my background is my limit. The second trap that we need to avoid is thinking that labels are my limit. But here is the third one. It's thinking that my circumstance or my present reality is my limit. Again, back to the Bible. Exodus chapter 3 verse 1 now. Notice what the Bible says. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And we'll camp there for just a moment. Now talk about a role reversal, a literary plot device. I mean, here is Moses, yes, the prince of Egypt. Now, the one that has been used to serving at this executive level, this one that has been used to serving and literally in one of the highest places in most authority in the world, now he's gone to one of the lowest positions seemingly in the world, that of being a shepherd. Wow, what a role reversal for this man that was prince of Egypt and was being groomed for the throne. Now, some of you might be saying, well, you know, I wouldn't mind a job as a shepherd. After all, they're awfully cute and cuddly. And look, I've got a picture of a sheep I want to put on the screen. It's true. Those little guys are awfully cute. Wouldn't you agree? I think they're pretty cute anyway. Apparently, you think they're ugly. All right. And in fact, I've got one more that's even cuter. That's my wife there. 
close to my parents' property there in McAlpin, Florida, holding up a, a cute little sheep. Okay, so some of you are thinking, look, I would love to be in that position, working with sheep all day, but here's what I want you to remind you of, that sheep are difficult. I know this from, I guess, firsthand or maybe secondhand experience. My parents have a property in north central Florida, and they had quite a few sheep, like 20 or 30 sheep and goats, and whenever I would call them, they would tell me about all the drama that their sheep would get into. They're always getting into places that they shouldn't get into. They're getting their neck stuck into weird positions. They're kind of killing themselves by accident. So here is Moses, and imagine his present circumstance. I mean, there he is with thousands, if not tens of thousands of sheep. I mean, for one, he's having to like avoid all of their plops all the time. That can't be pleasant. But not just that, and much more importantly than that, look, I mean, here's Moses, and he's constantly having to work to mend them when they're broken. He's having to work to feed them when they are hungry. He's having to rescue them when they get lost. He's having to lead them constantly. In fact, in Luke chapter 15, when Jesus was trying to describe what it's like for his love for lost people, and he thought, hmm, what's an animal that I can use as a metaphor to describe people who get themselves into trouble? You remember the, the story that Jesus told. What animal did Jesus use in Luke chapter 15 in that parable? He used a, he used a sheep. He used a lamb, right? You remember that story? He says, look, if, if one of you has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, he leaves the 99, and what does he do? He goes after the one that was lost. Why did Jesus use that example? Well, it's because sheep need tons of supervision and leadership. So here's Moses. That was now his full time lot. And for some of you, I just want to remind you that your present circumstance does not have to be your limit. I want to remind you that God is not done with you yet, no matter your age. Let me say that again for those in the back that didn't hear me. God is not done with you yet, no matter your age. Are you retired now? And feel like you don't really have a space in which you can tribute anymore? Guess what? God is not done with you yet. Are, are, are you 70? Are you maybe pushing up on 80? Are you beyond that and thinking, well, I guess I've done what I could do in my life. Look, I've got some good news for you that God is not done with you yet. You already know, come on, how old was Moses when God, after 40 years in the desert, called him? How old was he, friends? He was? Come on. He was how old? 80 years old, and God said, now you're ready. Now I can finally start to use you. 
Because you've gotten used to being a shepherd out there, you've developed a character necessary for the calling. You, you now have the patience necessary. You've been leading tens of thousands of sheep out there all alone. You've learned to rely upon me. You've learned to depend on me. Moses, yes, you're 80. Now I can finally use you. So when the devil tempts you to think that you'll never amount to more than what you are right now. You come back with Psalm 138, verse 8, where the Bible says, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. You claim that promise. When the devil tempts you to think that your circumstance is your limit, you come back and you quote the scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. You quote back, you say, look, the Bible says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Your circumstance does not have to be your limit. Why? Why? Help me out now. Because God loves to use ordinary people to do the Now you're getting it. God loves to use ordinary people to do the extraordinary. We're talking about the secret to be extraordinary, and we've been looking at these three traps that you absolutely, positively must avoid. You you need to avoid these, but even if you've fallen into one of these, there's hope. Again, these these traps are thinking that my background is my limit, and I think we've got these on the screen as well. Thinking that labels are my limit, and thinking that my circumstance is my limit. Avoid those if you can, but even if you've fallen into the pit of those traps, there's good news because God loves to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And you're thinking, okay, you've covered these traps, but what then is the secret. I'm glad you asked. Okay, back to Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Notice what the Bible says. Back to the story. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush, So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. It's a little weird. Verse 3, then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. Okay, so here's Moses doing the routine work of a shepherd And he sees something strange and unusual. I want to share with you these two principles, this secret to be extraordinary. Here's the first one. We'll put it up on the screen. It's the first secret. He lived his life looking up. He lived his life looking up. What does the Bible say? Oh, I will will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Moses lived his life looking up. Yes, even though he was under all of those limits or he came from a difficult background. Yes, even though he had labels placed upon him. Yes, even though he was in a 
challenging circumstance as a shepherd, I'm sure, yet he lived his life looking up. And it's because he lived his life not looking at his present circumstances, but looking up from whence comes my help, because he lived his life looking up, it was that he even noticed this unusually burning bush. If he had lived his life focused on his background, if he had lived his life focused on his labels, if he had lived his life focused on his present circumstance, looking down, he would have missed what God wanted to do in his life. So this is the first secret. I want you to receive this in the name of Jesus. This is the first secret. No matter what you're going through, you live your life looking up to the mountains. You live your life looking up to the presence of God. All right, but here's the second secret that you need to implement in your life. He turned in the direction of God. The first one, he's lived his life looking up, and the second secret is he turned in the direction of God. Now, I want you to notice this. You might want to highlight this in your Bible, verse 3, where he says, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush does not burn. You see, friends, it's not just about seeing something. It's not just about intellectually believing something. God calls us to do something about our faith. He says, follow me. So Moses could have said, huh, okay, cool. I think God is up to something on that mountain. But if he would not have turned aside and responded, he would have never intersected with his destiny. He just said, okay, I guess... I guess that's just an interesting thing happening up there on the mountain of God. But he said, no, I'm going to turn aside. I'm going to get off my path. I'm going to put away my purposes. And I'm going to go in the direction of the mountain of God. Oh, but watch this. Watch this. Some of y'all missed it. Verse 4. So when the Lord saw. Again, verse 4. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. You need to highlight those words. When the Lord saw that he turned aside. I need you to see, friends, how powerful this actually is. God was watching and waiting for him. If Moses had not turned aside, I want you to see this direct correlation between Moses' willingness to turn aside and God's willingness to speak. Let me put it another way. If Moses had not turned aside, God would not have spoken and revealed himself to him. God is watching and waiting. 
He said, okay, good. I see that Moses sees this sign that I'm giving him of this burning bush. I'm glad he's coming a little bit closer, but I'm going to wait till he turns aside and gets a little bit closer to me. God was watching and waiting, and when that moment came that Moses turned aside and got a little bit closer, that's when God actually spoke, not before. Yeah, I think the truth is that too many people are living lives that are blind to the burning bush. You're on your own path. You're too busy. You're too lazy. You're thinking, look, things are really convenient in my life right now. I'm kind of doing a thing. I'm trying to get the business going. I'm focused on school. I'm trying to do this relationship thing. Some of you are focused on your own thing, and as a result of that, you are blind to the burning bush that God is flashing in front of you. And some of you are like, oh man, oh how I wish that God would give me a word. Oh how I wish that I could receive a word from the Lord. Guess what? God is flashing the burning bush to you and he can't make it burn any brighter. He's saying, look, I'm giving you the sun. You've been asking for a sun. I'm giving you the sun. But now I'm waiting for you to turn aside from your own path and turn to me. You're thinking, where, where is God? God is there. God's flashing the burning bush in your direction. Believe you me. So look, we're just starting this series today. What God can do through ordinary you. And we, we've been examining this secret to be extraordinary. And I just need to remind you what they are. These, these potholes, these traps that you want to avoid. That no matter what background you grew up with, no matter the labels placed upon you, no matter the circumstances that you grew up with, the good news is that God loves to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. So if you're in that desert experience of your life right now, some of you are saying, well, I've, I've been waiting for a long time. I've been praying for my kids and they haven't returned to the Lord yet. Some of you are saying, look, I've been working so hard at work, but I still haven't gotten the promotion. Some of you are saying, look, I've been doing my thing at school, and I just can't quite sync up and sync up with the kind of friends that I want. Maybe you're in that desert experience of your life right now. You keep holding on and watching towards the mountain of God. If that's you right now and you just feel like time is passing you by and you feel like the opportunities have passed you by, you keep waiting. You keep believing in the name of Jesus and you just keep watching for that burning bush that God wants to send you in your direction when the time is right. Because when the time is right, God is going to burn that burning bush brightly and boldly just for you and it's like so come now that's going to be your invitation now to turn aside from your purpose and your plans and to turn in the direction of God for his purposes and his plans 
Oh, so I wonder if there's anybody here today. I'm going to make a little invitation. That feels like life has passed them by. I wonder if there's anybody here today that may have fallen into one of those traps that we looked at today. And you're saying, yep, I've fallen into you know, the, this trap of believing that my background is my limit or my labels are my limit or that my present circumstances are my limit. And some of you have been trying and you just cannot seem to crawl your way out of it. But today, in the name of Jesus, you want to believe and you want to say, Jesus, through your power, I want to rebuke those labels. Does anybody want to say that today? Jesus, I want, to use, I want you to use me, ordinary though I be, to do extraordinary things. In the balcony, anybody want to say that? God, I want, I want you to use me, ordinary though I may be, to do extraordinary things. Amen. And I just want to pray for you right now. Let's just bow our heads wherever we are. For those watching online, let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for this example of Moses. Boy, did he have a messed up story. So many challenges. Got to the age of 80, I'm sure thinking, well, I guess I lived a good enough life provided for my family. But when the time was right, he said, okay, now I'm going to send that burning bush in his direction. Now I can finally use him. And so, Father, I just want to pray in the name of Jesus for every single person that raised their hand. Father, I believe I'm speaking to somebody here today who is currently trapped. They've fallen into one of those pits And they're having a difficulty getting out. I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would break those bonds. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would lift them up. I mean, what does the scripture say? That you lifted me up out of the miry clay and set my foot upon the rock. Do that for them, I pray in the name of Jesus. And Father, also, I think for all of us as well, we long to be used by you in some way. We long to be used by you, ordinary though we may be, to do the extraordinary. Father, I don't, I don't have to do something extraordinary just use me in a simple way for you. It doesn't have to be something that other people notice. It doesn't have to be something that puts my name in lights. Just help me to do something for you. So Father, we just commit ourselves once again into your hands. Thank you for blessing and being with each person that was with us as well. You saw, you know their prayer request, their need, the decision that they've made today. So now we submit ourselves entirely into your hands. We thank and we praise in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Sing with us. I'm calling on the God of Jacob, whose love endures through generations. I know that you will keep your Same. 
Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now and forevermore, let all the church say. <laughs>